0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. All right, listen, find your sermon outline there in your bulletin and let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll find that on page 1785 if you'd like to use that book rack Bible in front of you. And it's always so good for a preacher to see people opening their Bibles or your iPad or your tablet or whatever you've got to get your eyes on Scripture. That's what we're looking at today. We love Scripture here at Neighborhood Church. We're in an exciting time in our ministry, and we've said this for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to say it again. Um, We love to highlight some of the features of our process. Now, our purpose is simple, right? You know our purpose. Say it with me. Life, transformation, transformation following Christ. I'm so glad you know that. And I hope it doesn't become ever just routine to say that. Think about it. Life transformation. Are our lives being transformed? Everything we do around here is about transformation through, not through the agency of cleverness, our will, humanity, but through the Following of Jesus Christ. Jesus is who transforms us, right? So that's what we're excited about. That's our purpose. And then our process is really simple, too. It starts with worship. That's what we're doing right here, but it doesn't end here. We practice worship every single day, right? We get before God's word, we surrender our lives to him in a daily, moment-by-moment way when we're on our our way to work, when the traffic is bad, when our boss is acting weird, when all the things are coming down, we come home, family crisis and problems, we are surrendering our lives. That's worship. And worship is where God transforms us. And then we take the step into community. And we talk a lot about community around here. Community is where God transforms us through others. We need each other. We need people in our lives. We can't follow Jesus just solo. I mean, we come to him as an individual, yes, but as soon as we do that, we are, in, we are enmeshed into his community, the community of God's people, the church, the called out ones. And that's where transformation happens in us through others. And then we come to service, which is the last little phase of our uh, process. And service is where God transforms others through us. We have a part in that. So here we are in a little series where we're just kind of asking the question, what really matters in ministry? And we have answered the question by saying, first of all, God's glory matters. Right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 6, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who distributes gifts and the gifts render service and the service render effects or, or results And all of that is to bring glory and honor to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What matters about ministry in the local church is the glory of God. Last week we said what also matters is others. We saw that in verse 7 where it says, Each one has received a manifestation of the Spirit for the, what? Common good. And so others matter. God's glory matters. Others matter. Today we come to see that what we do matters. God's glory matters, others matter, and what we do matters. Now, this sounds really simple, simple uh, but based on what a lot of, I've, of what I've observed, I don't think everyone really believes this as strongly as they should. So I'd like to read the text. And then we're going to break it down as best we can. It's going to be a simple outline. You can see that on your little sheet this morning. It's going to be real simple, I hope real memorable, and most of all, really applicable. We're going to read verses 7 through 11, and then we're going to drop over to verse 27 of this chapter and finish it out. All right? So follow along as I read. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. Verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then, workers of miracles, also, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking with different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. All right, now this is, this is an amazing text, and I can't wait to kind of unpack it for you. Uh, but what I want you to see is we started where we left off last week because where we emphasized last week was on the last part of that verse. Everyone's got the you know, manifestation of the Spirit given for the common good. Well, this week we want to consider the implication of how that verse begins. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three declarations that I believe this text that we've just read clearly delineates for us, and more than just some principles to put down on a little piece of paper. I hope you will adopt these for yourself, and and you'll notice in the outline today I'm using the uh, the personal uh, pronoun you rather than the collective. Uh, the collective we because normally we would say we because i like to consider all of us in this thing together but the focus this morning is kind of on you it's kind of on me i want you to see it personally for your own life because that's excuse me because that's the emphasis in the text it's all in the first person pronoun you this is something that all of us need to see so if you're taking notes in verses 7 through 11 what i want you to see is that you have a gift Just write that down and say it with me. You have a gift. Now, you just said that to me, but actually you need to say it to yourself. You you have a gift. That's what the Spirit of God is saying to you through this text. He's saying, I have gifted you for a specific purpose. Not a sampling, not just a few in the body, not every other one, not every fifth one, not just those who seem to have upfront or leadership uh, uh, responsibilities. God... Through his spirit has gifted each one, everyone with at least one gift. and I think it gets better than that actually, because I think we 've been given more than just one spiritual gift and there 's a lot of questions about spiritual gifts, and i 'm going to unpack some of the big ones for you this morning. But before we jump too deep into this thing, let me just share with you where I see a couple of problems right off the bat with accepting the fact that I have a gift, a spiritual gift. First of all, some of us are suspicious that the Spirit of God even does that. We don't really know what the spiritual gifts really are about. Many of us don't. We tend to liken them to talents. So we think of ourselves as not very talented, perhaps. Most of us consider ourselves as ordinary people. Anybody feel like they're ordinary here today? Anybody at all? Uh, Yeah. okay. Okay, many of you are very proud of yourself this morning. That's let's change the message right now and let's go to... (laughs) Now, I mean, if we were honest, we'd all say, yeah, we're ordinary. There's no superstars. But some people think that you've got to be a superstar to be spiritually gifted. But that's not the teaching of Scripture. The teaching of Scripture is that each one, everyone, has at least one spiritual gift. And we should be excited about that. And that's a beautiful thing. In fact, notice verses 7 through 10 in the text, eight times the word another is used there. To another, to another, to another, and still to another. Eight times. The emphasis, the Spirit of God is saying, you have a gift. Why? For the common good. Now, I think the enemy tries to overturn this truth in our lives, and he would love to make you feel like you are not gifted to serve. Because if he can make you feel that way, guess what? You're not going to serve. You're just going to think, ah, you know, let's let the people that are really talented do it. No. None of us have, none of us are superstars, but God has gifted each and every one of us. The second problem I see is that oftentimes we look at the spiritual gift that we may have, and so we've done a little gift assessment. We've gone through the, the work of assessing what the spiritual gifts are. There may be as many as 21 spiritual gifts. Maybe there are more. And we kind of look at everything and we sense, okay, we get some teaching on it. We think about where our passions are, where our drive is, where we kind of get excited. And at the end of the day, we go, you know, I don't know. It just just doesn't seem all that great. We, we kind of feel like the person, have you ever had this, you know, you're you're at Christmas and you're opening up gifts, if that's your tradition, and your box has some socks in it and the person next to you is opening an iPad or something like that, you know. <laughs> you're like, gee, what happened to me? So, you, Sometimes we feel that way with spiritual gifts. We feel like, you know, God, thank you. Okay, thank you, Lord. But is it really that helpful? Is it really that good? You know? And we kind of talk ourselves down. And in fact, we're going to look at this next week where some of the gifting in the body just seems like it shrivels up. And it goes, I I could never be the hand. Or I could never be this. I could never be that. And the point is, good, you, you won't ever be those other things if God's gifted you this way, but that's the beauty. What God wants to do in your life is to see that the gift he's given you is perfect for you. By the way, you want to see the sovereign work of the Spirit? Look down at verse 11. These are the work of the one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each one just as what? He determines. He determines. That means whatever gift God has given to you is perfect for you. Perfect for you. He knows what's best for you. It's strategic. It will work. It will be amazing. I mean, how would you like to find the perfect gift for that person you love? And when they, maybe they took it and they said, thanks, and then they never even opened it. You thought, oh, hey, what did you think? I don't know. It's still on my shelf at home. Open the thing. It's perfect. I thought of you. Wouldn't that be weird if they never opened it? And wouldn't it be even more weird if they opened it and said, Nah, you can have it back? <sighs> Are you kidding? I mean, have you ever given a gift that just felt like a bomb? You know, like, I, it was Mother's Day once. I think I gave my wife a vacuum for, Bert, for Mother's Day. Yeah, kind of the bomb. It was like, you know, thank you for that. I mean, it was just not really expressive, but the reality is, that was a terrible gift. I thought it was great, but it was terrible, okay? And I've admitted that, and many, many other, my wife is so forgiving. Praise God for a forgiving wife. I've, I've got lots of stories like that, where I've blown it, done stupid things. But watch this, the sovereign spirit of God never makes a mistake. He knows exactly what you need. And he knows what he wants to work through you to bless others. So first of all, you've got to get to know your gifts. And by the way, if you've never been through Life Transformation Seminar 301, that's where you really kind of open the hood on this stuff and look at it and see why God has shaped you and made you. And it's a beautiful, beautiful expression. I want to encourage you to do that because that might be some of your next step. You hear about the spiritual gifts and some of it just looks a little confusing right off the bat. Now let's, let's jump ahead here and, and let's just look down through the listing of these gifts. And you'll notice that there's some amazing gifts here. First century church, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Later in the text, down in verse 27, we find categories or offices that are characterized by gifts, the gift of the apostleship, a gift of prophetic, uh, the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of miracles. And there's additional gifts mentioned there too, helps, uh, guidance, or administration. And all of these uh, comprise a fairly substantial list, but I would suggest to you the reason why Paul is mentioning these gifts is because for whatever reason, these were prominent and maybe prominent problems in the church at Corinth. Uh, If you look at the whole New Testament, you find other Uh, Places where the gifts are mentioned. We've mentioned these before. If you know your New Testament, you know Romans 12, 4 through 8 is another batch of gifts mentioned. And some of them have overlapped to what we read here in 1 Corinthians 12. But there's a few added. Uh, There's the gift of encouragement in Romans 12. There's the gift of giving, the gift of leading, the gift of mercy giving. Uh, These are beautiful gifts as well. Um, And then in Ephesians 4, we have again offices that typify the gifts of evangelism, uh, pastor teaching. There's also apostleship and prophetic uh, administration there as well. Over in 1 Peter chapter 4, we find gifts of speaking and serving as the focus. So basically, there appears to be, if I do my math, there's about 20 to 21 gifts mentioned that we could say they look like they're distinctly unique and uh, different from one another in the New Testament. And are all those an exhaustive list? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of controversy as to how many spiritual gifts really are there. But the point I'm wanting to drive home before I launch into a little bit of a problem when it comes to the gifts is that we've all got at least one. And this is what the Spirit of God wants you to be sure of today. Each one, everyone, at least one. And I want to encourage you to just pipe that into your heart from the Word of God that this is something to do business with in your own life. You have a gift. Now, a problem develops rather quickly when we start getting into the nitty-gritty of spiritual gifts. And I realize in a crowd this size, we've got people that come from different backgrounds. Some of us come from Pentecostal, charismatic churches. Um, uh, I'm familiar with all the strains and all the subsets of Christendom. Uh, at least familiar, I wouldn't call myself an expert on every single one. Uh, the point is though you know you don't don't have to be around long to realize that uh, people look at things a little differently, and there are some different interpretations that people take on some of this and I think it would be proud and arrogant to say you know i've figured it all out, and I 'm going to give you the answer in the next four minutes. i'm going to sew all this up for you uh, that That would be pretty arrogant of me to say um, but but I do want to c- caution you. In in a f- couple of areas, um, where Paul is writing here to the Corinthians, the focus of this section is on a problem that the Corinthians were having. This is not a section of scripture that is sort of uh, the glory days of Corinth. This is the, the the down days. These are the dark the dog days of Corinth. This is a church that is out of whack and out of sync, and they've got they are prizing the sensational gifts uh, over the gifts that. Edify the body. And Paul's focus through this whole section is it's got to be about edification. The church has to be about edification. And so the, the big question comes, and, and here's the big question. The big question is, do all these gifts that are mentioned here and all through the New Testament, are they still being distributed by the spirit, and do they look the same as they looked in first century during the Apostolic age? And and that's where the big controversy is and that's where there's lots of disagreement and churches split over this and there's lots of, you know, people want to argue and fight about this stuff all the time. And and I just want to share with you a couple conviction points that I have as a pastor who is very concerned about this. It's not that I want to say, hey, just, you know, figure it out yourself and believe on your own. That's not where I'm coming from. But because I don't think it, it, it would be anything other than arrogance to say, here's here's the answer in every single way, I would, I would simply caution in a couple of areas. First of all, I would caution any belief that, that embraces the view that God is still adding revelation either through the speaking of an unknown language uh, uh, or a prophetic word or a word of knowledge that God is somehow adding to this book The Revelation, 66 books of the Old and New Testament together combining God's uh, Word. And here at Neighborhood Church, our conviction is, is, is that God is not doing that today. He is not adding Revelation. What we have here is completely sufficient for our life and practice. And everything we believe comes from this book and has to be tested by this book. And that, that's, that's me, but that's also the doctrine of our church. And you need to understand that. Now, am I saying by that that we don't believe in miracles, that we don't believe God can heal somebody? Absolutely not. We do believe that God can still do miracles. We're just suspicious of the fact that the Holy Spirit is still giving individuals the power to do those things because it seems like the apostolic age had this dispensation of spirit gifts that were of the miraculous nature primarily for the attesting to the authority of God's Word and the apostles' teaching. And if you want to check me on that, here's, here's the manifest verse that just kind of like really grounds this. And go to Ephesians. Just go right, if you're in 1 Corinthians 12, just go a couple books over to Ephesians chapter 2. And let me just read a couple of verses there. All right beginning in verse 19, Ephesians two nineteen. If you're there, say amen. Okay, most of you are there. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Now watch this, verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. What I want to point out there is that the foundation was built with the apostles and the prophets. And the apostles... Or, of course, the New Testament disciples of Jesus who witnessed his resurrection were witnesses of his resurrected life. These were the apostles. And the prophets comprise those who were given the gift of prophecy in the New Testament. Certainly, they brought truth. And some of that truth, obviously, was recorded on the pages of Scripture. And so the prophets of the New Testament brought Scripture to bear as well as the prophets of the Old Testament. And the prophecies, both Old and New Testament, are always 100% accurate and true, and you can believe them. Now, what happens oftentimes today is there's a rendition of the gifts that look different than what they look like in the first century. We redefine what prophecy is. We redefine uh, what speaking in tongues really are instead of languages that just it's words that don't, you know, make sense to anybody except the one who is either interpreting or it's a prayer language. Those are all terms and ideas that are not exegeted from scripture. Those are eisegeted. That's taking an experience and saying, "Uh, it's got to be different from what it was then." And so, as a pastor and as a teacher and as one who is very concerned about the abuses that I have personally witnessed when it comes to the sensational gifts of the Spirit, I want to just encourage you that the the guardrails that we use at Neighborhood Church are one, this is God's Word and there's no addition to it. And number two, we would look upon suspect of anybody that says that God gave them a Word or God gave them an experience that is somehow going to, you know, either change or or bring some kind of authority onto a person's life. Listen, there is no greater authority than the simple preaching of God's already revealed Word and trusting the Spirit of the living God to speak into our lives what He wants us to be and what He wants us to do. I mean, it's more... Sexy, if we could use the term, or it's more, it seems more glamorous to have somebody tell me personally what God's word is for me in that moment rather than to, if I've got a question, go and pour through the pages of a script of a book that's over 2,000 years old. But that's, I believe, the way God wants it to be. We live by faith and not by sight. And you know, when I was doing college ministry here, years ago there was a guy that came in and I've seen lots of people like this come and go there was a guy that came in and he believed he had the he had the gift of the word of knowledge and he had the gift of prophecy and he was kind of making a little stir about that and I was reminding him that hey at Neighborhood Church we're, we're going to focus on the gifts that edify and those gifts don't necessarily edify he kept going around and kind of stirring people up and one he came to a gal in our group and he, he said to her God told me that you're to be my wife <laughs> She came to me really upset. What do I do? I said, well, did God say that to you? She said, no way. I said, well, then just go tell him. Until he speaks to you, forget it. You know, it's just that's the way it is. The point I'm trying to make, and just using a little humor and a little example, which is a true story, by the way, that there are people that are going to come along all the time and say, well, this is what God told me to tell you. You know what? You can trust this way over that. And I just want to challenge us as the body of Christ. I, I know some of us come from different backgrounds. Some of us have different experiences. I don't want to try to quench the Spirit of God. But beloved, be very, very leery of anything that cannot be chapter and verse in your life. And, and so just a little word on that. Um, and I hope that helps. I hope that encourages you a little bit. And, you know, you can still wrestle, and I hope you wrestle. I've been a Christian now since I was a little boy. I don't know how many years I've actually walked with the Lord in, in faith and obedience since I was a junior high, high schooler. Things really started coming together in my heart. I've been a surrendered Christ follower for many years. I've had a seminary education. I've studied the Bible back and forth. I lo- I've looked at all the arguments. And to be honest, it's still messy, and I'm okay with that. Because you know what? God gives us tension to live in so that we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Okay? So, so the first thing the Spirit of God, I think, in this text is saying is that, listen, whatever else you believe about all the gifts and what they mean, you have a, say it, gift. The second thing I want you to see in this text is that not only you have a gift, but you play a part. Say that with me. You play a part. In verse 27, just let's read it right there. Just look at this. Back to chapter 12. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I love that, that you and I are a part of the body of Christ. Don't you love that? People just are freaking out right now. Okay, so <laughs> you play a part, I play a part. You know I grew up playing a trumpet and some of you know that and uh, some of my rich memories in high school was a high school symphonic band. We had a beautiful band. We, award, we were awarded as a symphonic band many times over. It was a very good band and uh, not necessarily because of me but I was a part. I was a, I was a little part of that band and one day our band teacher was sick and a sub came in and a few of us kind of got together before the class. We saw what was going on. We decided to pull a little joke. We said, let's switch some of our instruments around. So, you know, I saw a cute girl in the clarinet section, so I gave her my trumpet. and She bought in. She went up to the trumpet section. I sat down with her clarinet. A few other people switched around. Tr- trombonist was in the flute section. We had, you know, I mean, we just kind of mixed it up. There was probably about 10 people out of about 60 that just moved positions. And then the conductor comes in and he goes, all right, let's play, you know, whatever it was, and we open up our music and he, you know, begins. And and it just, you know, it just didn't have the same kind of clarity that it would have had. And it was, and he's, you know, directing and kind of scrunched up face a little bit. He stops, let's hear those clarinets at measure A, you know. And so he brings into the clarinets and, and I'm making noises, not notes, you know. And he's probably thinking, how in the world did this band ever get to where it supposedly got to, you know? Well, I'm sure he was not dumb. He probably figured out what was going on, but he played along with the joke. But the point was, because we decided to switch our parts, it just didn't sound very good. Did you know that the word in verse 7 for common good, we translate common good there, that word, the root word, is the same word for symphony. The same word that we we uh, turn into symphony, which means together a together sound doing our parts together our individual parts together we come off with a beautiful sound the point is if you're not in your chair if you're not in the spot that God gifted you with it's just not going to be the same you have a part to play Let's look at Ephesians 4.16. We'll put it on the screen just so for the sake of time we can get to this quick. Ephesians 4.16. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Here we go. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If you have your own Bible there, uh, and if you, if just, you ought to just jot it down or underscore it in your notes That little section, each part does its work. There's nothing sweeter than to witness those who really get this and are playing their part week in and week out. They're happy in their role, they leverage it for the glory of God, they're invigorated, inspired, motivated, joyful, and contagious. I've seen you. I've seen you in our children's ministry, in our parking lot. I've seen you usher people through those doors in the back. I've watched you teach and lead small groups. I've seen you help the disabled. I've watched you be a buddy to special needs children. I've witnessed how you love to go out and minister to the homeless. This week I was standing at Cafe Four and the guy behind me, his name is Craig. Big Craig, you see him around here sometimes. And Craig, he's one of our ushers too, but he's also just in love with our homeless ministry and And he had this big grin on his face. I turned around, Craig, how you doing? Man, you're so happy today. What's going on? He goes, because it's Wednesday and there's only two more days until we get to go out on the streets. He just beaming with joy. The cross streets ministry is is everything to him. You think he has to gear himself up for that? Well, I'm sure there are times in his humaneness, you know, there's things that happen in our schedules. But here's a guy that is excited and lit up about the way God has gifted him and he's playing his part, using his gifts the way God made him. Are you playing your part? Because if you are, then those among whom you are playing with become a beautiful symphony that the world listens to and hears the music of the gospel and their lives are introduced to the one who can change their lives forever, Jesus Christ you have a gift, you play a part. I see also in verses 29 through 31 that you make a difference. Say that with me. You make a difference. Now, maybe that goes without saying and we're nearly out of time, but can I point you to verse 29 where he asks a rhetorical question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing? The reality is the answer to all these are no. None of us are the same. This is why it's so important that you and I realize that we are all made uniquely by God. There will never be another one just like you. In fact, if you personalize that, you could write in your own notes, there will never be another me. Now that, you know, that may sound a little cheesy. There will never be another me. But if you think about it from God's Word, that's exactly what 1 Corinthians 12 is saying. God has gifted you. He has placed you. And now what you do makes a difference. And the reality is, you will probably know, never know, how you made that difference I can tell you story after story. I'll just throw a couple out that just popped into my head as I was thinking about this message. I remember one time a guy telling me, this was months after he was a part of Neighborhood Church. He said, I came in, I was wrestling with whether I was going to follow God anymore. Had been through some really tough things. It was a gray day, kind of like today, actually. Thought about this story. I came in through the doors of the church and somebody walking across the lobby just happened to bump into me and they struck out their hand and they said, Good morning. What's your name? Are you new today? And this person that felt so alone coming in and thinking about giving God one more try to get his attention was immediately, immediately struck by the friendliness of this one person. And as the person took his hand and introduced himself, and when he found out that this person was new, he continued, took his hand, and said, Come on, you're coming with me. We're going to sit together. Didn't take his hand all the way into church or that probably would have been that guy's last day. <laughs> but he sat up here in the back with that guy. At the end of the service, the guy said, hey, you think you'll come back next week? The guy said, yeah, I think I will. He said, let's plan to sit together again. Just by that little measure, this guy told me months later, he said that made all the difference in the world. Just that. Now, that person never knew the impact they had. I can think of story after story. A friendly gesture, a kind word, sometimes a facial expression, sometimes just being a servant to somebody made the difference. And they'll never know, they'll never necessarily have the wisdom to know that it was that little part of their gift, whether it was the gift of service or the gift of mercy or the gift of administration I remember one someone saying the first time they came to the neighborhood church, they sat down and they heard an announcement about the homeless ministry. And it was just the announcement that this was a church that actually dealt with people that are out on the streets was all they needed to hear to have the Spirit of God say, this is where I want you to serve. We never know what our little part might do to touch somebody's life Forever. And I'm sure it's already happened today dozens of times. And we'll leave here today if we're not careful, thinking that, well, I just checked in. I just did the thing that God called me to do. No big deal. Not looking for accolades, and you're not. Some of our volunteers, they kind of hide during the month of February. They don't like to be pumped up. And it's okay. I love that spirit. But what sometimes you forget is that the little you do really matters. We don't need you to do our work. God is inviting all of us into His work. You have a gift. You play a part. And you make a difference. And that's what the Spirit of God wants to say to everyone here. You know, at the end of the Apostle Paul's life, he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know, there's a man, I've written in the margin of my Bible, there's a man without regrets. When did Paul come to know Christ? Was he a kid? Nope. He was a full grown man. He had decided that Christ was a farce and a a false messiah, and he was preaching and actually taking Christians out when God radically saved him. And yet at the end of his life, he could say, my life is fulfilled. Listen, if you give your life to Christ and you play your part, you make a difference and you will live a life without regret. Don't waste your life. Let's go to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus thank you for this passage thank you for this little mini series thank you for this amazing church thank you for your Holy Spirit that takes these things and plants them in our hearts and I pray Lord Jesus that by your spirit right now you would just remind us that these things are so and if there's anyone in this service today that you brought here that needs a relationship with you that you would invite them out of their life of religion or doubt and usher them beautifully into the life of belief and salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, only you know the hearts of every person here. And if it's time to awaken that heart, then Lord, just do it as only you can. And that's the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of new life. And so, Lord, have your way in our hearts even now. And Lord, for all of us and for me included... May we live our lives, Lord, under these three uh, propositions every day from you that we might please you in all that we do and say to live a life without regret, to not waste what you've given us to make a difference for your kingdom. I'm going to ask you to stand with me quietly as we respond to the Lord right now. We're going to sing a song. Then we're going to have just a quick video announcement. We'll all sit down for that. But right now, this is a moment to just respond to the Lord. And if you need to give your life to Jesus right now, he will hear your prayer. Confess as a sinner you need a Savior and invite him to come into your life. And if this morning you realize you've been squandering your gifts, you're not playing your part, then just welcome the Spirit to have his way there too. And he will. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.